0: We've been talking about um, being empowered to serve, and this has been going on for a while now. It's a major subject throughout the Scripture, and uh, last week I started delving into a kind of a fundamental and foundational concept when it comes to you and I and our relationship with God, and it's it's really this: God speaks. God is speaking. Clearly God has spoken. We have his word, the word of God, which is recorded for all believers in all time to guide us as a foundation of authority in our lives. But God is also speaking through the power of his Holy Spirit all the time, all around us. And I want to do some recap today. Some of what I say may seem a little bit repetitive, but I want to continue to dig through what the Bible teaches us about hearing from God, what the Bible teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit, and how God leads us to give a report or respond to the things that he is showing us and leading us in. When we start talking about hearing from God, we can start to put all these filters in our minds that we have latched onto over the years, that hearing from God must be like some out-of-body experience, you know, where I just float around the room or something, or I can't control myself when God is speaking, or anything like that. Or, or we might think of it as a mystical, always future-telling kind of a thing. But when we look at the Scripture, we actually don't necessarily see those things play out. We derive what we believe from the teaching of Scripture. That's why we believe what we believe. We don't, we don't look at, um, you know, a Disney movie and decide what prophecy is, Okay? Those kind of things infiltrate our thinking and cause us to have a warped view about God. We've got to go to the Word of God to understand clearly and to walk in who it is God has called us to be. Now, there are some things in the Scripture that can be difficult. For some of us, the idea of hearing from God, that God speaks, is easy to lay hold of. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah, of course, God speaks, you know. I've always felt like God's kind of been tugging at my heart. I feel like it speaks. For other people, it's like, wait a minute, if God speaks, isn't that scripture and doesn't have to be put in the Bible? And if the Bible is finished, how is it that God could possibly continue to speak? We need to wrestle with these things. We need to look at what the scripture teaches in order to come to a healthy understanding about it all. <clears throat> I think Zephaniah wants to preach today. Man, I, I actually love the sound of kids in here. I think that's life. That's good. But God is speaking and we need to not give into our assumptions all the time about these things, but start to unpack. what What picture does the scripture paint about what it means to hear from God? John chapter 10, verse 27. I'm going to recap a few scriptures from last week. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Jesus has sheep. Really? Oh, that's you. We're sheep. We're part of his flock. And they, we know him, and he knows us, and we follow him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The very, God speaks, and we respond. When you came to Christ, when you, you know, we, we use this different types of terminology. When you accepted the Lord, when you came to Christ, when you asked Jesus in your heart, when you made him Lord of your life, whatever that moment that you accepted God as your savior, you made him the king, that moment of salvation, God was speaking. We sometimes think that, all right, someone finally presented me with enough facts that my mind believes this, therefore I accept it in my mind. But it's much, much more than that. We need to realize in that moment when we came to Christ, God was speaking to your heart. There was an influence going on on your inner man, on your soul, and you responded to that call. That was the voice of God. You've already heard from God. Did you know that? It says, no one comes to me except the Father draw him. There's a voice of God in our lives that lures us into believing in him. We hear it. We feel that tug in our hearts, and we respond. In John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd. Man, we could just stop there. I mean, this is a fundamental, foundational reality. I'm the good shepherd. Do we really see God through the lens of being the good shepherd? Or do we see him as the tyrant? The one who doesn't like us? Et cetera, et cetera. All the wrong images of God that we can come up with. But what does he say? I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Reminds me of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. It speaks to his motivation for God to love the world. In fact, when we look at the, the conversation about the gifts, you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which talks about the gifts. And then he says, I'll show you the most excellent way. And then he talks about love. And then chapter 14, he comes back around talking about the gifts today or <laughs> gifts towards the end. And in the middle of that is love. What's the motivation for all of these things? See, when we start talking about hearing from God, we start to get concerned about, is that like some sort of mystical power that I can manipulate over people and have control? Or I'm worried other people will have control if we give them too much? Hey, God has designed, first of all, that all these things come from love. And secondly, that they're done according to the way his word teaches. So how is it that his word instructs us about hearing from him? I'm not going to be able to get through all of it today. We're going to continue to talk about this after we hear from Mark next week. But I want to continue to unpack what are the passages in the Bible that talk about hearing from God and the Holy Spirit and and what what does it really look like? So when we use this analogy of speaking, maybe speaking is not the best analogy because speaking implies what I'm doing right now. Vocally, out of my mouth, you can hear me through your ears what I'm saying. In fact, mine just started ringing. My ear did. We have these ears and we have these voices and that's what speaking is. But when we're talking about God speaking, we're we're maybe talking about something a little more invisible. And I think this can be easy to grasp. We're talking about influencing. When the Holy Spirit comes alongside and we feel him influencing us or revealing something to us. See, the Holy Spirit is around all of us all the time, around the whole world, in us as believers, influencing us. That influence, we would say, is God speaking. So, so when I feel in, internally that God is nudging me a certain way, that's him speaking. So we're using it in a metaphorical sense. He's revealing. If I'm reading my Bible and I have an aha moment, it isn't just my mind. I don't believe it's just my mind intellectually dissecting something so that I understand it. That's a component of it. But it's the Holy Spirit of God coming alongside and bringing the aha into my life. Oh, I see. I understand. Or revealing something even more about a certain situation or circumstance. The Holy Spirit convicts us. So speaking of Mother's Day, moms can speak without speaking. Okay, let me show you one. You picking up what I'm putting down? Moms don't say that, do they? Okay, my dad was communicated with his eyebrows. It's really pretty amazing. I was an altar boy in the Catholic Church when I was little. And the priest had an altar up here like this, and I sat on a little stool thing with a little cushion over here like this. And my dad would be sitting right about there, right in the front. And he'd raise his eyebrow at me trying to get me to laugh while the priest is doing the Mass. <laughs> Now, you don't, it's, it's, if you've ever been a part of the Catholic Church or participated, you don't make noise, okay? It's, it's a solemn kind of a, a gathering. Well, my dad would sit there, and I don't know if you can see this or people on the camera can see it. My dad can raise one eyebrow. I can hardly do it. And he'd sit there and do that at me trying to get me to giggle. You know what's funny is with that same eyebrow, my dad could put the fear of God in me. What do you think you're doing? right? Speaking without words. Don't you think sometimes the Holy Spirit's sitting right next to you going, what do you think you're doing? That's conviction. Or this, when the Holy Spirit puts down its reading glasses and looks at you, when he looks at you like this, you better pay attention. Okay. That's fun, but it's true. Because perhaps you're starting to tread into some gray area where you shouldn't be, all of a sudden you start feeling a little conviction in your heart. Ooh, I want to get angry and say something. Oh, I want to look at something I shouldn't look at. Oh, I want to participate in something I shouldn't participate in. And something inside starts going. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how he speaks. He brings conviction. See, we just, we just think, that's just my conscience. That's just my mind. Conscience, that's co-sciences. That's two knowledges coming together. It's in your conscience where God is starting to speak. It's in your mind where he's starting to speak. It's in your emotions where he starts to speak. It's in that invisible place where his personality begins to intercept yours. So let's keep looking at some of these passages. The imagery of shepherding is relational. God, if we really consider that so often the scripture uses the analogy of the shepherd and the sheep, it is a relationship. God does this to relate to you. God wants to relate to you. God wants to speak to you. He wants you to listen to him. He wants you to respond to the working of his voice in your heart. He is speaking. The shepherd helps the sheep find the pasture we talked about last week. Now, how in the world can God lead me to something if he's not influencing me, speaking to me, convicting me, pushing me, prompting me, whatever word you want to use? He's speaking. He's influencing That's him communicating. How about that? Communicating. He's communicating through conviction and influence. How can he lead me to the green pasture? Or in Psalm 23, where where it talks about lying down in green pastures and beside still waters, that peaceful place, that sounds like a healthy relationship to me. Do I really believe and understand that the God of the universe has that kind of relationship with me, that he's leading me to these peaceful places? And am I following his lead? Am I listening? I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. John 14, 16. The Holy Spirit is with us forever. It's God with us. Right there. Speaking, influencing, leading, whatever kind of analogy you want to use. We also talk about if he is speaking, then we can hear. Again, hearing being a shortcoming metaphor for the idea that we perceive what God is doing in our lives. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, first and foremost, God led us from death into life. By the Spirit, he led us from an unbelieving, unfaithful place to a place of believing and being faithful and submitted to him and he continues us on that journey he leads us by his spirit you know before jesus left the earth he said i have a lot more to say to you we talked about this last week i have a lot more to say but you can't take it now but i'm going to the cross so see you later what i want wait i wanted to hear all those things you had to say you're gone too early you left If you had all these things you wanted to teach us, all these ways you wanted to lead us, and now you're gone. Now what? Enter Holy Spirit. God is teaching his people. How do you think the church has survived and thrived for 2,000 years? On our intellect and good looks? I don't think so. There is a power. God is with us, leading and working through his people. And it's so important for you and I to to begin to wrestle with, okay, maybe important people hear from God. Maybe the important sheep do. I'm here to tell you, God wants and does speak to you. I said this last week, and I listened to myself say it this last week. I listened to the recording to get prepared for today. And I'm like, wow, that was a pretty audacious statement for me to make. But I believe it, and it's this, that God is speaking to every single one of us. Pretty consistently, we just don't always recognize it. In fact, if I asked you if you ever heard from God, and you say no, I said, "Well, how then? How then did you come to Christ?" Well, I chose to believe. Did you really? Wasn't there a prompting in your spirit? Wasn't there a desire building? Or did that all come from you? Because the Bible says it didn't all come from you. That was God speaking. Let's keep exercising that. Let's work that muscle. So we can go all the places he's called us to go. Well, wait a minute, Jar. If everybody's hearing from God, ooh, man, you're getting on some thin ice. Yeah, we do need to wrestle with these things, but you know what? We have the all-sufficient word of God right here giving us all of the parameters and framework that we have and need in order to operate with the voice of God in our lives. So, you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. By whom we cry, by whom we cry, through whom we cry. The the way in which we're able to say, God is my Father, is from the Holy Spirit. Speaking in our lives. I think when we take the time to look closely, God is speaking all the time in our lives. The Spirit himself testifies. Wait, the Spirit testifies. Meaning what? The Spirit is speaking. He's communicating something. He's bearing witness to... Our spirit. Wait a minute, there's a a testimony between the spirit of God and my spirit taking place, reassuring me that I am a child of God. Now, my brain goes, what kind of an arrogant punk are you that you think that somehow you are a son of the living God and you are a co-heir with Christ himself? Well, I look at this passage of scripture and I see that it's true. The Spirit is bearing witness. The Spirit is reassuring me, going, But that's true. It is true. Do you believe that's true? You are a son or a daughter of the living God. And the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with you that that's who you are. And if we are children, then we are heirs. I have four children, now a grandchild. Someday I'm going to kick the bucket. I'm going to be out of here. And I will leave an inheritance. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, maybe. Let's just say I'm going to leave an inheritance. And I'm going to have heirs. I'm going to have four heirs. And I'm going to divide my estate amongst my heirs. None of them will necessarily be more important than the other one. One of them might be the leader amongst them, right? Might be the one who's taking charge of dad's estate and distributing out his stuff and those kind of things. Actually, I'm probably going to go way before my wife, so maybe she'll be there dealing with that. But anyway, we don't want to think about that right now. (laughs) But think of that, that imagery of the heir. All of my children are inheriting something from me. The Bible says that you are inheriting something right alongside Christ Himself. Do you see the power in that? I mean, just let that soak in. Me, mediocre of old me, am a co heir with Christ Himself. Yeah, you know, we, we will spend the rest of our lives reveling in that. And also understanding that this also is a foretaste. Everything we're experiencing from the gifts and the power of God and this idea of salvation, it, there's all a deposit of that in us now foreshadowing something that's eternal that we're all going to experience someday. We are co-heirs with Christ. Of course, if we, in, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, we don't like that part. But there's certainly a price to pay. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, John chapter 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, he's called the helper. How does he how in the if he doesn't speak, if he isn't there nudging our soul, influencing our soul, speaking to our soul, convicting our soul, which I would all call speaking, he's bringing something into our soul. How can he help us if that's not what he's doing? What else would he be doing? Arranging circumstances on our behalf? Maybe no. The Holy Spirit is there helping us along, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now I want you to think about this for a second. We run into this a lot. If if I feel like, listen, I'm a fallible person. And if the voice of God if I feel like God is speaking to me, I've got every legitimate reason in my right mind to doubt it. Because I'm a knucklehead. Right, I make mistakes. How do I know that wasn't my mind, or that was just my mind, or that was just my emotions, or that was just the pizza I ate at midnight? You know, we we all, we have these things that we dismiss that can't be God because I'm not capable, I'm fallible, I'm too weak. You know, but the Bible gives us a lot of guidelines to this. But I want to just point out two things here. He will teach. How does He teach? He he may not stand right here and speak vocally but he teaches like this. You know, that kind of teaching. He's influencing often without words but impressions and convictions that come from the Holy Spirit and influence our lives. And what does it say? He'll bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Don't miss how important this is. If I remember something, who do I think remembered it? Me? My brain? This limited capacity hard drive up here, which seems to be shrinking, something comes to my memory. Like sometimes you know, I'll be, up here today, I'll be talking. I just was talking a few minutes ago, and I, a scripture that's not in my notes came to my remembrance. I remembered it. Did I do that? Sure, you could say that. I could say that. Hey, I remembered that verse. But I don't think that's all there is to it. The Holy Spirit brings things to your mind. Are you okay with that? Just stop and think about that. I don't trust my mind for good reason. Right? So if something comes in here, I'm a little concerned about what it is. Is it true? Was that from God? Was that my was that my Jiminy Cricket conscience? What was that? But the Bible says test the spirits hey, we're in community, we can submit things one to another. We're not called to be rogue and independent, all those kind of things, right? And we'll look more at that in the days to come. I don't want to get too much into that. I just want to point to your attention that the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind, a memory. We're going to have to get comfortable with that idea if we're going to walk out the Christian life in all of its fullness. Because let's be honest, that's a little uncomfortable. Someone comes up to me and goes, God just gave me an idea, and I'm like, Oh, let's talk about this because you're scaring me. Because we're fallible, and you might be weird. You know, I'd, it might be a weird idea. Maybe it's a bad idea. Maybe it is the Holy Spirit. Let's test it. Let's get it out and talk about it. We got it. We got to let go of some of our fears and realize God does speak to your mind, and that's okay. As long as we're in a, an accountable and a community-based, biblically-based situation. It's very safe for that to happen. The church should be the safest place for me to go, hey, I feel like God showed me something. Can I submit it to you for your evaluation? Is that, that sounds pretty healthy to me. So we've got to look at what the, how the Bible teaches us to do those things. We have to understand also, this is a massively significant situa- significantly different situation than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have prophets, right? Uh, Elijah comes to my mind because he experienced some of the most radical things in the Bible. So when we think of the word prophet, someone who speaks what God has shared with them, several things come to mind. Things like the writing of the Scripture. If God spoke through a prophet, wasn't it supposed to go in the Scripture and be all truth for all time for all believers? The word of God, alive and, alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, etc., etc. So we, we start to build this imagery in our mind. In, in the Old Testament, you know, it started with Moses. God said, I will raise up someone to speak on my behalf amongst the people. And he did. There so, there, it's almost like once every generation or so, or every couple of generations, there was one significant prophet. And so this idea built that God does speak is very rare and it's in a very authoritative way coming through these prophets. But what happens in Joel, Joel prophesies and then Peter brings it to our attention again when he's preaching that message at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And he says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Just a second, let's talk about the last days. Now when we think last days, a B C D E F G. I don't know what happened there, but in the lat- when we talk about the last days, we think of whatever our um, eschatology is. We think of the end times, you know, very end book of Revelation. But when you read through the New Testament, the last days are considered that day, that point in time. So this whole New Testament church era, according to the Scripture, in my opinion, is the last days. It's the last era of time before Jesus' return. So it says, in the last days, and here's the thing. If Peter is saying that the Spirit just poured out on all these people, that's why you're hearing these tongues, and, and it's a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel, then Peter's day was in the last days. You see what I'm saying? I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. You see, when Jesus went to the cross and died, he became our high priest. He became the one who mediates our relationship between man and God and he is God. So we have no mediator. We don't go to a priest anymore. You don't have to come to me to relate to God. You have a relationship with God. Jesus wiped out the old system with the priesthood and the Holy of Holies, which was separated from the people and the curtain. Anyway, there's a whole big teaching there. But what Jesus did is he, he, he did away with that so that every single one of us would have the Spirit of God, which is a I need a better word than thorough. It's just that all, it's all included in the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, that God's people would be filled with his spirit, that they would be led by his spirit, that sons and daughters, men and women would prophesy. They'd have this power of the spirit, this communication. Now we hear that word prophesy and we think Elijah, like we're all supposed to go on a mountain and call down fire on people. But that's not the Bible's full understanding of prophecy. Do you know there was a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament that didn't make it in the Bible? You had schools of prophets. You had, you had a company of prophets. You have Saul, the king, uh, in the Old Testament prophesying. You've got the guys that met Elisha and Elijah on the way out. There was lots of prophetic that didn't end up in the Bible. Not to mention all of our examples in the New Testament. God speaks to his people. But the transition at the New Testament was significant. So much so that every one of us as believers can hear and do hear and should hear from God. But we've got to come to a right understanding of the vocabulary and the way that happens. We must unlearn what we have learned in some cases. And go to the Bible. What does the Bible teach about these things? So all of us can receive the Spirit, can operate in that relationship with God. But we ha- we need to realize that what wh- how significant the New Testament transition is with what Christ did on the cross. So let's look at some passages in the New Testament. Holy cow! I'm pushing it on time here today. The thing that came to my mind this week, and I would tell you, I mean, some people go, "Oh, that's just your mind." It's just you. Here's what came to my mind this week while I'm preparing. He speaks, we hear, we respond. Okay, I just that came up and throughout. And that gave me the framework for this entire message. But here it is. He does speak. We do hear. Then comes the response. How do we respond to God speaking in our lives? And to what extent? I want to look at just some quickly some of the stories in the New Testament that will begin to give us a picture of what that really looks like. And does what it really looks like in the Scripture. Does it line up with whatever ideas I've got about what it should be? While they were worshiping the Lord, Acts chapter 13, there's a group of disciples together. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. How did the Holy Spirit speak in that moment? This does not specify exactly how the Holy Spirit spoke. But when we look at the New Testament, there are a number of times... Even Jesus himself saying, the Holy Spirit spoke, and then he quotes an Old Testament passage. So if you go back and you're like, oh, the Holy Spirit spoke in Psalms, and so I go back and I look at Psalms, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the Holy Spirit, this is David talking in the Psalms. But the New Testament writers considered the actual speaker through the person to be the Holy Spirit, God speaking through the people. They counted it as God speaking, even though it was coming through these fallible, broken jars of clay. David was not a perfect man. David didn't do everything perfectly. But the Holy Spirit inspired him to write a portion of the Scripture in the Psalms. And the New Testament authors reflect back on those as being spoken by the Holy Spirit, even though literally David was the one that spoke them. Anyway, so it stands to reason here that the Holy Spirit did not speak out loud, Who's the author of the book of Acts? Luke. In the New Testament, in Jesus' day, when God spoke from heaven and it was audible, they recorded that in the Bible. They made that very, very clear. That when it was an audible voice and everybody around freaked out, that was made evident. That's not made evident in this case. What what am I led to believe? Somebody in the midst of them, or several of them, all felt the Holy Spirit saying, we need to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which God has called them. There's a prophetic thing taking place here. The Holy Spirit is speaking and and prompting them to make a decision. All right, Well, let's look at a different one. This is is about Philip. They called him Philip the Evangelist. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Now, I think we can almost all relate to this in some way, shape, or form, whether we ever realized it was God or maybe we never, never are sure if it was God or not speaking to us. <clears throat> there are many stories like this. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Wow. Very simple day-to-day life. Philip's going on about his day. Chariot goes by. What's the big deal? I want you to go up and walk next to that chariot. I want you to call your mom today. I want you to pray for your cousin Eddie. Wow, well, that's a great example, cousin Eddie. I want you to give so-and-so 50 bucks. I want you to go encourage your neighbor. All those little things inside of us, on a day-to-day way, Philip could have been walking by and seen that chariot. Go over to that joy that chariot. Oh, that was all in my head. I just thought to do that. But what was it? It was the Holy Spirit going, Philip go up next to that chariot. And what happens? In that chariot is a eunuch who's serving the queen of Egypt. And he's got a copy of the book of Isaiah and he's reading it. And you know what he's reading about? He's reading about the lamb that was led to the slaughter. And Philip's, I'm assuming jogging. (laughs) Feels like you're running at an incredible rate, Harry. Anyway. And he hears him reading from the book of Isaiah. And he goes, do you know what you're reading? He's like, how can I know if no one will explain it? I'll explain it. And Philip gets in that chariot, witnesses to the eunuch. They drive by some water. He's like, why shouldn't I be baptized? They hop out of the chariot and Philip baptizes him. This, this Egyptian, you know, there's a, there are churches in Egypt that trace their lineage back to this situation. I don't know if it's true. But a man on his way back to Egypt from Israel right after the resurrection of Christ went on as a brand new believer all by himself right into Egypt. That's amazing, and history is affected by that, all because God told Philip to go join, run next to a chariot, to go join this chariot. Oh, man, I'm suddenly going, God, how many times have you been speaking to me, and I'm not even listening, I'm not paying attention? Dude, little things God will do in our lives. Now, here's what we do. Let's come back to the whole Jiminy Cricket idea. You know, Jiminy Cricket is the conscience of Pinocchio, Right? He's a little Disney character, and he's playing the conscience for uh, Pinocchio, right? And, and we go, that's just my conscience. It's just my mind. It's just my emotions. And yeah, there, there are times it could very well be that. But we've got to wrestle with the difference and begin to mature ourselves to distinguish the difference. Because you know what the Holy Spirit does to Jiminy Cricket sometimes? He comes right up alongside him and goes, wake up. God comes right up to our conscience, to our minds, to our emotions, and speaks. You know, and if Jiminy crickets your conscience and God flicks him upside the head and he starts talking, you better start listening. Because God is at work in your life. It isn't all just us. Listen, we are bent on destruction ourselves. Without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are self destructive. And we, we need that voice leading us. And while he was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Peter's praying on the roof. he's just had a major vision, then he, God speaks to him. What am I getting at in all these? Here I'll read a couple more. When they deliver you, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say for uh, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you through you can we have Can we have some sort of open faith? Opening in, in our faith for God to speak through us? That God will give us what we should say? And that's okay? That's a part of our journey? Paul did this. Paul later stood before all kinds of accusers and in the justice system and things like that and Jews that wanted to kill him and all of that. And he always had things to say, didn't he? He had a lot to say. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was, you could say it was Paul's brilliance and his education and all those kind of things. I don't think so. I think it's the Holy Spirit. With us, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Luke records that. What am I? What am I getting at? When I read through all these and look at God's people operating in this way, we're going to look at a lot more next week. We're going to look at Philip's four daughters who prophesied. We're going to look at Agabus who prophesied, actually slightly inaccurately. Did you know that? We're going to look at these things and how they were handled in the New Testament, and and how that's a part of our lives because that's what being prophetic is. Prophetic is giving the report of what God has shared with you. So if I'm I'm sitting here today and God drops something in my heart for one person, I share it with them. All I'm doing is reporting. All I'm doing is reporting what it is. I don't have an out-of-body experience. My eyes don't glow green. I don't float around the room. God doesn't take over my body. He speaks through me. And I'm totally fallible in that. And you guys love me and I love you. So if I'm wrong, we can work through that. Doesn't that sound a lot better than some of the alternatives? Would you stand, please? There's so much to say on this subject. But I would encourage you and challenge you and provoke you. Wrestle with the idea that you hear from God. What does the scripture teach? What picture does it paint? What are the truths and realities that we see as we study it throughout? About who God is and who we are in that situation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. God, that you are at work amongst us and that, Lord, you are powerful. And, God, I pray that you would for those of a particularly for those who are struggling with this message today uh, the resistance to the idea that we hear or how to manage that is probably the more difficult question how we manage that hearing god i pray lord that you would be revealing from the scriptures that you'd be revealing through teaching god that our ears would be open to hear from you lord as we navigate what cuz you are the good shepherd who leads us we want to be led by you help us hear you Help us hear what's on your heart. Help us sense the directions you're wanting us to go, the things you're wanting us to do. Because ultimately, we are empowered by you to serve. And we want to be in alignment with what you want us to do. In Jesus' name.